with the first pick. And welcome back to another episode of the Daft on Draft podcast. I am your co-host, Devin Jackson, joined by Corey Kennan, who I got to meet in person and spend uh, several days with that down in Indianapolis at the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. And man, we we have some great stories to tell, some some great great nuggets that we we found out and, and, and just an overall great experience. But, but first, before we get into that, Corey, how you doing? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit this week. Dude, I, it's been, I mean, since Friday was my last night out in Indy, like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I've gotten pretty good sleep all four days and I'm dragging. Like, I'm still sluggish. Like, the schedule is like rigorous. People think that, I mean, the combine's fun. People, but like, I, I think people like, oh, media people go to the combine who is like drinking, hang out at bars at night, which is, is partially true. But like, I think there's a huge networking uh, part of that. And like, we're in the media room to 11. We're, and then we're like writing from like 11 to one and then it's time for testing. And then by 10 30, we're ready to check out and network more, but it's like the weirdest schedule where your break is like eight to 30. Ever seen anything like it. So yeah, I'm still, still a little, little struggling there. Struggling a little bit here still. Yeah, man. Uh, I got back uh month, like early Monday morning. So uh, I know you left early over the weekend, but I stayed through the weekend and, I went and saw the quarterbacks do their thing on on Saturday uh, in in the stadium. Sunday, dude, I stayed in the hotel room all day and just laid around because, like, that was a long week. Like, one, probably one of the longest weeks of my life. But, but man, we, uh, we got to talk to some great people and, and great conversations. And, man, where to start? Um, I don't even know where to start. But so I'm going to kick it to you. What was – were a couple of things that that you know stood out to you during the combine week? It could be you know player talk. It could be uh, bringing to media members. Uh, you know what stood out to you? Yeah, I think again, this was my first time as a media member at the combine, and I think you hear these stories of like, oh yeah, everybody talks at night. Everybody goes, everybody talks at night. This is where the deals get made. And I didn't hear a lot of that, but I was like, you hear some things, but it wasn't as like, oh, this player is getting traded this week. The way that it, like people made it seem, and maybe it was just quieter this year, but like. There is just a pure culture shock to going to high velocity, going out, and, and the first night you're sitting there and you look right behind you and there's Jim Schwartz eating dinner with the sun. Or like uh, you're out there a little bit too late and and then you're like wandering in the lobby and there's Sean Desai hanging out in the lobby. Like that's just the kind of like the culture shock, I guess, aspect of it where it's just like, oh, yeah, this is real. Like these are real people. He's right there. I, I, I went up and said hi to Sean Desai. I talked to him about Vic Fangio's defense for like 30 seconds before he got it probably got annoyed with how drunk I was trying to babble about him, like to to him about a Fangio defense. But like that, that's all real. It's like, Oh, this is, this is cool. Uh, I was uh, one of the nights standing with, with Trevor Sycamore and Owen Reese uh, and Jeff Risden. We were all st- standing just in a circle talking and we hear this loud bang. And it happened right behind Trevor. And this loud bang. And we turn around and the hostess stand, like the heavy metal hostess stand, got knocked over. And we turn around and look, and Sean Payton is just standing there, like this, like shocked look on his face. Sean Payton knocked the sign over, and and then tried to play it off like nothing happened. We're just like, what, what the hell just happened, man? It, it was really funny. 
but yeah, just like that kind of like shock to the like shock value of it. Again, the combine itself was also really cool. Like it's, it's, it's a lot. That media room 8 a.m. in the morning is a lot, you know, rotating out eight podiums every 20 minutes. And you try to catch as many players as you can, as you can and try not to get boxed out by big media trying to ask them the same questions. It's, it's, it's kind of a scrum, but uh, it was a blast, man. And then, you know, when, once we got up to the actual media room where all the media members could, could write, that was like, a, oh, this is cool. Like we all sat together. We all, we all debriefed a little bit. We all got our content written uh, before it was time to, to get dinner or whatever. So it's just a long week, but like there, there are just so many things to take away, and it was such a good week. Yeah, it was it was definitely a rewarding experience. And uh, you mentioned Champagne; that was like the first big person I saw uh, when I got to the combine because I got there and uh, you know went to pick up my credential, and I just see him walking past me, you know, past the media room on the phone, just talking it up. So it's like, you know, that was like the first moment. And then obviously, you know, a lot of other moments during the week, just getting to interview some of these guys. For me, getting to ask Christian Gonzalez a couple questions, Broderick Jones, um, a lot of these big players that otherwise would not be attainable or reachable. And, you know, they're right there at the podium. And, and you know, we talked about this a little bit while we were there, um, asking them football questions and asking them, like, scheme questions and, and like, skill set questions and seeing their face light up. You know, it was kind of like they, they were there to, to talk ball and – you get to ask them a question about ball and, and their reaction and their answer were, was always uh, enlightening. So to me, that was probably the best part of it, like seeing how their face changed and how their body language changed when they got asked those football questions. Um, and all this is like a, a negative aspect of it, watching the Jalen Carter news unfold like in person. That was pretty insane just from kind of a media perspective, seeing how everyone was like looking at their phone. Everyone was talking about it at the same time. You know, obviously people were waiting at the podium, although we already knew he was going to talk to, you know, talk to the media when all that went down. But like being in that atmosphere and seeing things like that happen, like it, it's kind of surreal. Cause it's like, you know, otherwise we've been sitting at home, like tweeting about it or on Twitter, but we're like in the element, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes before he was to talk. Um, So that was, that was a pretty, crazy mom. I wouldn't say it was cool but it was certainly crazy in terms of, of watching that and then you know getting in that world with people you know we got to talk to uh Dane Brugler uh of the athletic uh you know obviously one of the the best draft guys out there uh Connor Rogers who uh both of us have talked to over the years and, and I met down at the senior bowl but we got to meet and hang out with him so really in general man it, it was a, a fantastic time and I'm I'm already looking forward to doing it next year. It was it was probably one of the best events I've been a part of, and in the content that I was able to produce as well. And I'm sure you can relate to this, some of the best content that, that I've been able to put out. It was such is it like in that environment where you're just like you're. It's almost like an outer body experience. It's like you're there, but like you're just like constantly on the go, trying to think of things on the go and writing things, but. I feel like being in that environment and the same people, I thought it just raised that level of, of work. So, so man, it was, it was a blast. Yeah, man. It was a crazy, crazy, crazy week. Devin, if you had to tell me your, your top three favorite players that you talked to throughout the week, who would you say that was in the media room? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna go with Broderick Jones, uh, as, as one of them, because I thought he was just really cool, laid back and he just seemed to relish the opportunity. I thought it was really cool to see him. Uh, kind of in that element and in, in how kind of, you know, 
how great answers he gave. It wasn't just, you know, I'm athletic, you know, I'm big, but, but he really gave, you know, insight on, on what he was able to do. And he even said that practicing against Nolan Smith and those guys were, were harder than the game, which was a, a crazy statement to make, but, but he was very serious about it. <clears throat> I would say Keanu Benton is, is another one. He was just an all, all around really good dude that really just took his time with, how he answered questions, like the perspective he has being uh, a Janesville guy that, you know, really from his high school might be the first NFL player to to play, you know, come from his high school. So I thought that inside and, and how cool that was, uh, was a was a really good interview. And then uh, the last one, I will say, I'll say probably Jalen Cropper from Fresno State. Uh, I think mostly because he's a guy that I've wanted to talk to for a number of number of months and and when I got to talk to him he he was just really cool laid back and you know just gave me some great answers some great insight on what Fresno was able to do talked about the UCLA game being the best of his career so I'm sure there are other guys that could have made that list but but those are the top three for me what about you man who um first day so bright now the first day of the meeting from 8 a.m uh Addy Tamiwa Addy Borare was was at the podium uh and i got there like pretty early and i was able to get a front row seat uh and able to get some questions in and and he's really well spoken man again he's from northwestern so you would expect him to be you know you're pretty well spoken pretty pretty educated pretty uh pretty bright uh but he he is man he is unreal uh to talk to and you know just asking him again some ball questions like you know how's your mindset shift when you're you're lined up at three tech compared to five tech things like that and he was really really thorough with his answers so i would say uh he's one for sure uh, dude, I really like talking to Keytrail Clark, uh, Louisville corner Keytrail Clark, man. Uh, I'm a big fan of his and <clears throat> on tape and just to be able to pick his brain a little bit about the difference between, between playing in the nickel and outside and, and kind of how he, he, he preps to fit the run from the nickel and some questions like that, man. He's, he's a really good, good listen as well to, to just hear him talk about some of that stuff. And, uh, and, and then my guy, Tyler Scott, man, Tyler Scott might've been the bubbliest, the bubbliest dude at the combine, just like was really happy to be there. was just like high energy the whole time he was at the podium. Um, just a really fun dude to talk to, really just soaking it all in. So I would say those three were were, were my favorite three. Uh, again, man, Josh Downs is right there, though, too. Like, I, I got a couple questions into Josh Downs. He was really well-spoken, really broke it down for me. Like, it's really hard to pick three because, again, there, there were so many people. Jamie Robinson was good, but but I'll stick to those three and, and, and say Eddie Boare, uh, Keytrail Clark, and Tyler Scott. Yeah, those those are some some great options. I I talked to Adebore at the the Senior Bowl, and he he was a great interview and and uh, a guy that that you know obviously very cerebral, very smart player, and uh, blew up the combine as well. So uh, man, it, we could we could talk about this. We could do a whole episode on on just our experience down at the combine. But as we mentioned before the combine, and, and obviously we didn't get a chance to record while we were down there, uh, we're going to get back into our rankings. And today we got interior offensive linemen. And we talked about this before we start recording. Uh, this is not a incredibly deep class of interior offensive linemen. And uh, I think there's a big drop off after, you know, maybe the first guy or two uh, on our respective lists. Um, just because like athletic wise, I don't think, there's a good bit of these guys that, you know, are, are not exactly the most fluid movers. They're not uh, guys that are, are testing off the charts and, and they're also not guys that uh, 
I think are, are incredibly scheme versatile, but, but I think it's always good to talk interior offensive linemen. We, we've done tackles already. Uh, now we, we get the interior guys. And uh, why don't you get us started off, Corey, uh, with your number five guy? Yeah, I mean, I hated this class too. I hated this class. Like, And there's like some dudes who are getting top 50 hype, and, and I think it's probably because the, the class as a whole is pretty bad, but like, Watching something just like, man, that's a that's a that's a late day two, early day three guy. Like, I don't know what we're saying. And I and I guess a good way to start with that is talking about my my number five guy, who I think again I have him late day two, early day three, that comp pick kind of range pick, and and that's Steve Avila from TCU, man. And, and so people really love his tape. And I thought he had a really good Senior Bowl. Again, he's he's really strong, really dense. He's got a really good anchor, but like athletically, man, I I don't. Uh, he, he, I thought he struggled to move on tape. Uh, really struggled to change directions. I thought he'd get out over his waist a little bit. Uh, he's got strong hands, but uh, I, again, I watched the Georgia game and the Michigan game, national semifinals and the finals game. And and, and Mozzie Smith, man, Mozzie Smith got into his chest a lot, bullied him quite a bit in that game. So uh, I think he's a high floor player. And I think the foundation is there for him to to probably play early as a guard, but I don't think his ceiling is very high at all. Uh, and I think he he's not going to be going to a system that's going to ask him to get to the boundary, that's going to ask him to get wide in a wide zone. Like, that's just not going to be his game. And, and so I, I think Steve Avila is a pretty pretty limited player, even if that foundation is is pretty firm uh, coming into the league. Yeah, we'll talk about Avila a little, in a little bit for me. But, yeah, I, I echoed those same concerns, and it's like, it's really tough because, like, you go from these positions, like, you, you look at tackle, you look at uh, some even defensive line and edge. Like, there are dudes that are moving at, at a freakish level and, and able to to showcase their quickness and whatnot. And, and Vila is, like, a really good rock-solid player, but, like, he, he's athletically limited. And, and we're going to run into a lot of that, I think, with, with just this class in general. Uh, and, and that brings me to my number five guy, and that's John Michael Smiths from from Minnesota. And uh, I know he's a, and we talked a little bit about this beforehand. He's a guy that didn't make your list, but for me, like I see the allure. I see why people like him. You know, like he he's a a to me feels like a zone fit center. Like he he can climb up to the second level. Uh, a guy that really excels at like uh, you know hitting the hip and like displacing defensive linemen on the move. Uh, you see him like constantly uh, keeping his head on swivel as well uh, in pass, prote- pass, pass protection. Uh, but but when when it comes to athletically wise and uh, even his arm length, it, it certainly limits him and what he can do. Because uh, like a, a lot of the times he's like falling off of blocks even when he gets to that second level. Um, you know he's he's a little bit out of position in terms of trying to uh, cut dudes off. Like the angles aren't always sharp when he's trying to. Uh, you know, get to the the backside or front side back uh, backer. Um, you even think about like what he was able to do at the Senior Bowl. He looked like a much improved player, like a, a guy that's had active hands, a guy that uh, reset his hands at the point of attack. But uh, inconsistency on tape with that. Like there were times where when Keanu Benton got hip to hip with him, he couldn't recover. He couldn't get back and anchor. And I thought his anchor was was a little soft, especially at the point at the point of attack uh, against teams like uh, Wisconsin and Illinois. They were just a little bit too much for me of him being on the ground and ending up on the ground. I thought he was a guy, you know, the the way that he's talked about and like the pedigree around him, like you would think he's a guy that that's 
constantly moving dudes at the point of attack that's resetting those hands that uh looks good with his footwork but to me i think there were there were too many times too many lapses uh of, of that happening um i thought his best game was probably uh the penn state game that i got to watch and he did a really nice job uh of getting working up to the linebackers still in double teams and uh like getting to the spot and beating dudes to the spot but like is inconsistent from from game to game for me so so that's why i ended up number five for me and um, I just wish there was a little bit more consistency there with his game and how it translates to NFL got level. And I think he's probably more of a center. I don't see him as more of a, I don't see him as a scheme versatile guy where you can throw him at guard. I think he, think he probably plays center at the next level. Um, and, and probably is a, I will say a average to slightly above average starter, but, but I don't think you're getting a, you're getting more of a high floor guy versus, uh, a high ceiling guy, in my opinion. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Uh, I don't have Mike, uh, John Michael Schmitz on my in my top five for for some of those same reasons. And again, uh, like Illinois defensive lineman like Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph. Like we're going to talk, we're going to be talking about those guys next year. Like that's, there's no there, there's no way around it. Like Illinois defense was really good, and that defensive front is really good. But I just don't think he handles power well. Like. Uh, Randolph, the number 88 for Illinois has really heavy hands, like really heavy hands. And when he would disengage with John Michael Schmitz and, and, and hit him with a punch, like the visceral shock from John Michael Schmitz was evident. Um, and again, I, I do think he's his own fit, but I don't think he's, at, he's as athletic as we thought he was. Uh, and I think that kind of shows on tape. Like I, he can get to the boundary, but he doesn't, doesn't get there quick. I think there's a little stiffness shown in getting there. So he's, he's a tough eval again, because he did have probably, one of the better senior roles of anybody in mobile. Um, so it's hard to, to reconcile game tape uh, with, with the senior bowl. And again, what the senior bowl should really do is say, Hey, I need to go back to the tape, but the tape didn't really change for me um, based on a senior bowl testing kind of confirmed what I thought based of his athletic ability. So uh, he, he's a weird eval, but um, going, going to number four for me now um, that's going to be Luke, Wh- Luke Whipler, the center out of Ohio state. Um and again, we didn't break up centers and guards. We're just doing interior offensive linemen. So um, <clears throat> I think Whipler is all around solid. I don't think there's a deficiency in Whipler's game. I don't think there's a trait that stands out in Whipler's game, though, either. So again, he, he's got pretty good mobility to get to the boundary, but he's not going to blow you away with his, his athleticism. He's got a pretty solid anchor when he when he when he drops, when he sinks his hips, and, and when he digs in his heels. But I don't think his play strength is is going to wow anybody. Uh, in the run game, he's not a people mover. You know, he he's pretty adept at framing off rush lanes, but he's not gonna he's not gonna bow people over. I don't think he has that that same mean streak that some of these other guys do. But but again. <clears throat> He's trustworthy. Uh, I think I, I love his eyes. His eyes are excellent uh, in pass pro. Um, and he's just all around solid. Again, he's not going to blow you away. Doesn't have a, a trait that really pops, that really stands out. But he just reeks of one of those guys that like nine, eight, nine, ten years into their career. And be like, oh, yeah, that guy's still playing. That guy's still starting for so-and-so. It, it, like, <clears throat> I think maybe Dennis Allen of the Rams is a, is a good, is a good, like, uh, comparison to make and maybe not as a play style but like oh yeah dennis allen started for the rams for quite a while like you know what i'm saying like so i think that's that's the kind of player whipler is just sturdy solid all around not a deficiency in his game but not like any wild traits in his game yeah i'm I'm kind of the same point uh of you as well and i thought 
he did a really nice job. Like he's not like a, a crazy athlete, but I thought he did a nice job. Like of, of, like you said, framing uh, those blocks, especially at the second level. Um, and he understood angles. I think that was a big thing I wrote down is like, he understands where to get to and how to get to there uh, with the, of the passive lead path of least resistance. And I think that's valuable uh, in an interior offensive lineman. Like, you know, that you are not going to, uh, you know, while people athletically, you're not going to, uh, you know, run and, and beat dudes to the spot. So you have to be smart about how you frame it up. And, and he's a little bit higher on my list, but uh, really overall solid player. Steve Avilia is, four, is number th- uh, four for me. Um, and some of the same things that you mentioned, I thought he's a, like a rock solid player, uh, very strong dude. You know, you rarely see him get uh, out muscle at the point of attack, although Ma- Mozzie Smith was able to move him around a little bit. But. I thought he looked really good in in, in double team blocks and uh, his one on one situations where he didn't have to go too outside of frame um, and go against some of those athletic, more athletic, uh, you know, defensive tackles. But I think you know, kind of the same issue with with John Michael Smith is that you know he's just not a athletically gifted dude. Like he, everything about him is about timing and, and being, uh, you know, very cerebral with his movements. I thought his pad level was a little high at times too, um, especially going against those pow- more powerful dudes. Um, and and I thought you know he did a solid job of replacing hands, but uh, wasn't consistent. I thought he had a really nice initial strike, especially at the point of attack. But uh, the tendency to fall off a little bit was, was showing up on tape. And I think he's just a guy that more. I feel like he's more of a I don't want to say utility guy, but a guy that's a little bit, you can move around a little bit. Like you can play him at guard. You could probably, probably play him at center. And I think that gives him a little bit more positional flexibility uh, in terms of how it relates to the NFL game. So that's why I ended up at number four for me. I think the p- positional versatility plus him being just a ro- really rock solid player, someone that can absorb contact and, and move dudes at the point of attack in the run game. I think that made him a little bit higher for me uh, at four. Um, but, but I think the athletic limitations are, are going to probably make him, I would say, in that third, fourth round area is, is where I, I value him at. Yeah, again, this like he's getting a lot of second round hype and I, I just I don't see it, man. I think, again, it's a product of a of a subpar class uh, overall. But, but I, mean, I mean, especially at the senior bowl. And again, I thought he had a really good senior bowl, but. Second round is really steep, but yeah, that three, four range where we're on the same page there. Uh, who do you got at number three, Devin? Yeah. Whipler is number three for me. Um, just cause like, you know, when you, when you stack, stack these guys up and, and I know I, and I'll full disclosure, I haven't watched one of the guys on your list, but the separation wasn't extreme there. It was like, okay, like who was the dude that, you know, has a good combination of like some athleticism, but, but showing the ability to uh, still get to where he needs to be on tape and, and just in, in certain schemes and Whippler fits that for me. He's not a guy to me that's going to wow you. He's not going to show you anything spectacular, but he's just a really good football player that understands angles that understands how to beat dudes at the point of attack um, and, and be savvy with it. I think he's not going to, be a you know like a guy that's going to create large holes behind him but I think he's going to do just enough to to create a lane and, and allow the running back to to make some decisions and he's shown some ability to work up to the second level 
Um, and, and like I mentioned earlier, uh, worked those angles. I thought his hands were, were pretty good. He did some, some nice things resetting his hands. Um, especially like when he was getting, uh, bull rushed a little bit. But, but I do think, um, you know, he was a, he got, got a little bit, uh, you know, against like the Keanu Bentons and some of the, some of the more athletic and, and he had a solid game against Georgia. I thought that was his, his best overall game in terms of just being able to handle what Georgia was throwing at him. You know, some of the blitzers that, that they brought to when he was able to, locate and pick it up and, and his eyes I think work really well scanning um you know from from right to left so I really like those things about his game and I thought that that made him number three for me and a really rock solid player that uh like you mentioned I think he's going to be around the league for for quite a bit yeah man uh I've been talking about Whipler since you know him and CJ Stroud started every game together well CJ Stroud missed one game with with injury that his first year as a starter but they came in together and they left together uh, and I think, you know, there's an obvious like maturity rapport between the two, both really smart players, uh, when it comes to setting protections, when it comes to calling out Mike, uh, it's, it's kind of cool to see them go in together, go out together. Uh, and again, I think we've talked about Whipler, but I think both those guys are going to be in the, the NFL for a decade plus, And we're like, yeah, rock solid players. Um, my number three is also center. Uh, and the, the difference between my three and my two is, is, is razor thin, like razor, razor thin. Uh, but for me, I, at three, I have uh, Wisconsin center Joe Tittman. Um, man, I like Joe Tittman a lot. I like Tittman a lot. Uh, again, he was w- another one of the guys at the, 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 the combine that was really fun to talk to. Just a really high IQ, very smart player, really super cerebral player, player to hear him break down uh, kind of a process, uh, pre-snap, post-snap, kind of what he's going through. Uh, and, and everything he's, he's saying, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that on tape. Like, there's a, a rep against Ohio State where, um, <clears throat> you know, he sets protections, uh, and Ohio State brings up a late backer in the A gap. And just to see him pick up that mug look, uh, and, and not panic. Uh, and then that backer ended up dropping out as well. So for him to, to keep his eyes moving left to right, back to right, back to left, uh, and just find work, stay calm, didn't get over here to throw his hands at any, at anything that, that came near. But, uh, just a really high IQ player. And, and not only that, but he's really athletic, man. Like that dude can move. He gets to the boundary really well with ease. He climbs, takes good angles to the second level, and he's got a mean streak to his game. So if he gets into your chest, he's going to look to bury you. Uh, he's going to look to bury you. So, um, again, I, I don't know if the physical play strength necessarily matches that mean streak all the time. So, uh, I, I do think he, he can, can be a little soft in the run game at time, but, but the motor's there and that streak is there to say, you know what, I might not be the, the, the strongest, but I'm, I'm still going to give it to you. Um, and he's six, six, man. That's a big dude. That's a, that's a tall dude to try to win leverage inside. So, um, but Tittman's got some traits that really are eye popping. Again, his mobility, his ability to climb, get to the boundary, really move really well. Uh, that mean streak and, and his high IQ really sets him apart. Again, I think his feet can be cleaned up. I think his anchor could be a little bit better, but, but I think those traits are there for me to say, yeah, I, I see it, man. This guy, I, I can see why this guy could go in the second round. Yeah, he's uh my number two guy, and I'll go right into him. I think he he was the most fun watch. I think of of the the five guys I have on this list, even including the number one guy, because like he was pulling out on the perimeter, like you know, this is like insane stuff. Like this is stuff that we lo- loved about, uh, you know, I believe it was Creed Humphrey and what he was able to do at Oklahoma. Like that, that, you know, that pin and pull action he was able to do, uh, you know, even blocking back on power. I love his fit in potentially like pulling out in, in front of the, 
you know, front of the running back and, and, and making plays that way. I would love that use of his athleticism. And I got to ask him about that six, six high. Like, how do you sink your hips <laughs> at that height? You know, like at, at center, like you're snapping the ball and then you got to get really low to, to match some of these dudes. And, and he did a good job. And he talked about Keanu facing Keanu Ben in practice being a part of that development. Uh, but yeah, I, I echo the same things that I like about him. Um, his ability to ID, uh, you know, blitzes and twists. I thought he did a really nice job doing that. It seemed like he was almost anticipating while some of these other guys, a little bit lower on the list, I thought were a second low or a couple seconds low, uh, recognizing it. Um, and, and just his ability to, to frame up blocks, get to the second level, um, and, and really just, just help everyone in pass protect, protection. It was impressive the amount of dudes that he just threw out of the club, uh, just from scanning the entire field, looking left to right, um, and, and just really, you know, kind of being there for his teammates. So that was the big thing that stuck out to me, him setting protections, recognizing blitzes and uh, finding work. I thought was, that was one of the big things I wrote down is like, I want a lineman that finds someone and, and knocks him over and, and has that mean streak. So that mean streak is there. I thought the anchor needed a little bit work too. Um, and, and just, I think, you know, just bulking up a little bit more mass in, in his lower half to, to be a little bit stronger at the point of attack. But the the foundation is there, the the traits are there, and and he, he ended up as my number two guy. Yeah, no no complaints there at all. I think he's going to be a really solid player. I liked him more than I liked Cam Jurgens last year, and Cam Jurgens went in the second round last year. So, uh, yeah, he's he's one that I like. I'd be tempted at forty two with the Browns to say, ooh, if he's there, and I know they need weapons at at receiver and they need some help inside on defensively, but he's a talented talented player with with a pretty freaking high ceiling. So he's not a hundred percent polished, not a hundred percent there yet, but man, the traits are, the traits are there. Uh, moving on to my number two and Devin, this is the guy that you said you haven't had a chance to get around to yet, but I was surprised at how much I liked Cody Mox tape from North, North Dakota state. Um, again, he's a tackle that's going to play guard at the next level. So you have to, you have to translate a little bit. You have to uh, put some perspective into it a little bit. And again, I didn't think his feet, this is again where I, I start to say like, man, we're overhyping this class a little bit. I think, you know, he's in a lot of people's top 30s, a lot of people's top 40s. And, you know, I, I'll probably have him somewhere around, uh, probably around 45-ish. And that's probably the earliest I would take him. But like, I've seen some, I guess that's mid-second round. So I guess I'm there with consensus now that I think about it. But, uh, but I don't think this guy's a first-round player. I don't think he's a top 40 player, um, but he's sturdy. Um, in the run game, he's, he is a dude who will displace defenders out of gaps on the run game. He will get after it in the run game. Uh, again, six, five, a little bit shorter arms. And that shows at tackle when, when, when edge defenders are getting into his chest a little bit, he struggles to, to displace hands and, and, and win back inside position. But, but again, he's going to play guard at the next level. So, I mean, a guy's like, sure. Keanu Benton's got 34 inch arms, but, um, I think for the most part that that issue won't be as evident uh, as it is on tape when he's playing left tackle for, for the bison. Um, but again, really strong mover um, gets to the boundaries super well climbs that takes nice, nice angles to the second level looks for work, man, always looks for work. Um, but I do worry a little bit about the leap from level competition from the FCS level to the NFL and not in like the cliche way of like, Oh, that's just a big leap in level of competition. But like, I think his eyes are a little bit slow to go from one to two uh, when he, he doesn't get work right off the snap. I think pre-snap, his eyes are a little rough, getting his eyes to the right spot off the ball. Uh, in the run game, he kind of dips his eyes a little bit, trying to make contact and, and 
kind of gets that over himself. Again, the pass pro, I think his base is solid. I think he, he's not a waste bender. I think he's pretty solid in that regard. But uh, so I do think the transition to the NFL level might be a little steep for him um, just because he, I think there are some issues with his eyes that I see both pre and post snap. Um, but again, athletic, physical, red hot motor, not just to match his hair color. And so I, I, I was shocked at how, how much I liked Mox tape. And, and again, he tested athletic, like pretty athletic as well. So, um, there's a lot to like there with Cody Mock, even if he is a sixth year guy, even if he is 24. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to watch him. Got to see him at the Senior Bowl, and and he he really popped and did some really nice things. Uh, while he was moving all over the place, he played almost every position on the offensive line while he was down at the Senior Bowl, uh, and that even included the game. They put put him at like left tackle, right tackle, at, at guard. So uh, he's a guy that's that's coming in with with you know an open mind to to play anywhere, and and I'm very excited to to get to evaluate him and and see him, uh, and and, and just surely will crack uh, or shake up my uh interior offensive lineman rankings but number one guy man um and i think it's not really close in terms of uh the next guy down like i know you you talked about like mock but uh osiris torrance dude uh he was far and away the best interior offensive lineman and that's if you consider you know depends on where you consider pierce skaronsky if you think his entire interior offensive lineman obviously skaronsky would be one but uh, for our purposes, I believe we both evaluate Skaronsky as a tackle. So uh, Torrance is one uh, from Florida. Man, dude is dude is a beast. Um, just really, really, really good player. Um, his ability to to move dudes at the point of attack and uh, you know just to be a bully in the trenches. Um, you know, really shut dudes down with his his uh strong first punch. It, it was it was an easy eval to to watch and and get you know get done because you know clearly he's the best interior pure interior offensive lineman in this class. Um, what he was able to do at Florida this year, uh, moving bodies, uh, holding up in pass protection. Uh, didn't have the best day against Jalen Carr, but had some nice reps against him one on one and was able to get him a few times. Um, just a really good player, man. I I really had no complaints uh, about his game. I thought you know he could. Uh, be a little bit better in terms of uh, his anchor. I think sometimes he, he plays a little high and, and just kind of relies on that power to win uh, in those one-on-one reps. Um, but overall, I thought he was a, a really, really easy, clean eval. Um, a guy to me that's is probably in that late first round, early second round range, mm-hmm. really depending on where you go. My favorite fit is the Giants. I think they should draft him and not even think twice about it, especially if he's on the board uh, at 25. But um Torrance was was really good and and just a, such a clean eval um you know for for Florida and and, and just so, such a uh, a big dude I mean we saw him at the combine massive dude who uh has a great personality uh very cerebral guy too uh good to hear some of his his quotes while he was at the podium but man he he was he was really impressive in person and then you know just just on this tape uh there, there were really no complaints for me yeah, man. Uh, he's a brick shit house. <laughs> that dude is, is rock solid. He's a big dude and he's cut weight. Like he, he was huge at Louisiana. Huge. And he was huge again this year at Florida, but like his weight, I need to check this now. Let me pull up some cats and spreadsheets real fast. I want to see how much he weighed at the senior bowl versus how much he weighed at the combine. I just want to check the difference there real fast and see, um, what the difference was. Um, but again, man, you, you hit it. Uh, he is just rock 
solid. Rock solid. Um, again, he doesn't move very well, but again, he's getting drafted into a phone booth scheme, you know, a, a team that's going to run spread and just ask him to pass that a lot, like Kansas City. Um, I like the, yeah, Kansas City's the big one that sticks out. Um, like that, that that's going to be fine. I think he'll be fine in that. But again, he's heavy, heavy hands, man. Heavy hands. Um, to really displace dudes, knock them back on their heels, uh, dig them out, man. He's unbelievable. Um, and I think he's, I think he's a little top heavy still, still a little top heavy. He can get out of his, over his waist a little bit. Um, he lost seven pounds from Mobile to the combine, by the way. Um, so in a, about less than about a month, uh, he lost some pounds. So he's clearly trying that, to, that's pretty to, impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's clearly still working on his body. Um, which is pretty scary. Uh, upper body strength, lower body strength, though, is all there. Rock solid, best anchor in the class, best heaviest hands in the class of any uh, interior offensive lineman, maybe heaviest hands of any offensive lineman at all, like in this class, like just a really physical player. Um, and he got better. He transferred up and got better. Like that's that's not easy to do, man. That's not an easy thing to do from going to from from Louisiana to the SEC and playing as well as he did. Uh, you mentioned the Giants. I I tend to mock him to the Jaguars a lot, the spot right before the Giants, because the Jaguars roster is pretty freaking well-rounded, man. Like, I don't know if you looked at it, but they're a hard team to mock because, like, they don't really have a hole. Uh, I guess corner, they just cut Shaq Griffin. So you could go corner if you wanted, but, like, that's a pretty good team. So I tend to, to send Osiris Torrance that way. Seahawks make a lot of sense, too. Mm. Um but I don't see how he gets out of the first round. I think in a, maybe a stronger year, yeah, this dude's probably a mid-second round pick. But we're again, teams have to draft the players that are on the board. And in this class, this guy's probably a late first round pick. Yeah, I don't think he, he should get out of the first round. If he does, someone's running that card in as soon as the second round starts. It's, it's almost like a, I would say almost like a Logan Hall situation where everyone knew the Bucks were taking Logan Hall, you know, the next day. But it was just a matter of time. They can run the card in. So if he somehow gets out of the first round, um, you know, I I think he's going to be easy, easy off the board within the first uh, two, three picks of the second round. But, yeah, Torrance is, is great, man. Um, and really, I think he I mean, if he's not in this class, like when does the first one come off the board? Like it's he might be like mid, maybe late second round, early third round. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you could wait quite a bit. Before even between Torrance and the next guy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, I, I tend to think Mock or Titman will be the second guy. Uh depends. You know, there's some teams who really value age over over pure tape. Um, some of those analytical front offices, and I you know, I get that argument. And I would probably take Titman over Mock just for ceiling purposes, but like, yeah, you'd be waiting probably 40, maybe maybe one of the top 50 of Torrance's in this in this class, and it would be way close to 50. So um. Yeah, man, Torrance is rock solid for sure. Uh, and, and just to recap, uh, for me, my top five: John Michael Smith at five, Steve Avila at, at four, uh, at three uh, was Luke Whipler. Uh, at two was um, I don't know why I just threw a blank, but number two was Joe Tipman, and then number one was Osiris Torrance. What about you, Corey? Yeah. So for me, it was I had Steve Avila at five. Um, with with probably a late third on him, Whipler at four, Titman at three, Mock at two, Torrance at one. Uh, so there you have into your offensive line, and, and we talked about you know it's it's kind of I won't say it's cut and dry, but the class just isn't you know compared to some of these positions like you know like DB and Edge and um, 
you know, it, the receiver position, although it's it's more deep than top heavy, um, I think you know I think this group here, it's not it's not going to be it's going to be more probably day two and day three guys than anything uh, for this particular class, and and I just really think it's a uh, about where you see these guys in, in terms of where they fit and or, and how they fit on on your NFL team, but. Um, you know, you never know. Maybe there's there's going to be a few guys that uh, are slated at tackle that dudes might move to guard as well. So that would be something uh, to watch, obviously, as it translates to the NFL level. But that's all we got for this episode of the Daft on Draft podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. Follow Corey on Twitter at RealCoreyKinnon. Um, and uh, and make sure to, to check out Homage uh, on the Substack site. Um, we are still uh, have we still have a partnership with Homage, so uh, make sure to to use the link on the Substack website to um, to to get your your uh, sports gear and and get all that you need. Uh, anything else you want to add, Corey? No, man. Again, uh, we're doing mailbag as well. If you leave a, a, a rate and review on on Apple Podcasts and you, you put your your question in the review, we'll answer it on the pod. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've had one, but again, we're still doing that. Uh, we'll always do that. So, um, yeah, that's all I got, man. Uh, again, we're running out of positions. I think we got linebackers, running backs, and quarterbacks. I think yeah. I think that's it. So, so we're we're working through this. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to the next position we get to because. Uh, Certainly will be, uh, I will say, a little bit deeper uh, at that position uh, than the the interior offensive lineman. But until next time, uh, make sure to uh, you know subscribe to the uh, the podcast and and leave your your comments and, and questions that you may have. But until next time, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>